Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome back to the Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. I am your host, Adam Cousins. And before we get on to today's show, I just want to shout out my good buddy, my third of my trio's partners, Andy Burrows, who is recovering from surgery on his mouth after an accident at the weekend. Andy. You missed. We want you back. We need you back on this show. We can't. We're struggling without you, bro. Well, we're not struggling without you, but just come back because we enjoy your company. Anyway, normally on the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast, we generally have a light-hearted discussion with our guests. The guest we got on today is slightly different because we're talking about a six-year period in his career where he had everything in terms of wrestling belts. Anyway, he lost everything. And then he's kind of on the road to redemption, but there's been a few blocks in between that we want to get into, especially in regards to the NWA and one of their titles that he's looking to win. Well, that he will be winning in ten day, roughly 10 days' time. Barrett Brown, good afternoon, I think it is to you. Yeah, you're right on time, man. Good afternoon and good evening to you. So thank you yes. for having me on story, man. I appreciate it. No worries at all. It's great to uh, listen. It's always great for me to talk. I love talking to a wrestler. You can call me a Mark or whatever, but that, that's what I am. I, I do enjoy these type of things. But like I mentioned, Barry, it's a bit more serious today. So right. we're going to start uh, 12th of August, 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dyersburg, Tennessee, yes. uh, small company. Um, so this was at the time when the NWA had a lot of affiliates. This was right before the company was purchased by Billy Corgan. So in Dyersburg, Tennessee, I defeated a gentleman to become the NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champion. Mr. USA, right? Yes. Yeah, Mr. USA. Um, I won't mention his real name for some obvious reasons that we will get into here in just a little bit. <laughs> but um, yes, I defeated Mr. USA to become the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion on August 12th of 2017. An amazing accomplishment. And, uh, you know, you're only 29, so you're, you're like... Ten, nearly ten, yeah, my birthday's next week, so you're ten, nearly ten years my junior. I know I might not look it, but you you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's sort of twenty seventeen. So you're like early. God, what are you at that age? At 20, 2017, You're really young at that point, right? Yeah, I was. I believe I was twenty three when I won the championship because I actually my first match was in January twenty ten. So I was about seven years in when I won the championship. So if you think about the time frame, would we have actually doubled the time of my career since I, you know, technically lost the championship until the present day, yeah. until this opportunity that we're going to talk about later. So, so my, I mean, 23 years old to be uh, the junior heavyweight champion of the MWA and, and the prestige and the lineage and that, that company as a whole. We, I know you said it was before. Uh, Billy brought it out, and it was Mid South, was it? Kind of that, that kind of. There yeah. still must be a, a big, big, big bit of pride for you at that point, even at that young age, just because I say the lineage, the title, the heritage of the NWA as well. <clears throat> Absolutely, and especially because a lot of the guys that brought me up in this industry were very old school guys. You know, I live in Texas, and so you know we had world class here. You know, we have yes. all these guys that are cool in the NWA. And those championships, that lineage means so much here. And even my original trainer, uh, we talked about, we jokingly talked about how maybe one day he'll be the world's heavyweight 
and I'd be the world junior heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And even it was talked about with uh, Killer Tim Brooks, who helped bring me up. And just the fact that I was able to make that happen, um, it was a dream come true for me. Yeah, it, it, as I say, at such a young age, did you feel, and I know it's a bit silly to say, because we're going to go through your defense in a minute, was there a sense of more, did you feel more pressure at that point when you won that title? Was it like, okay, shit's on, kind of, I suppose? <laughs> I, I think once the adrenaline of the night finally wore down, the realization hit like, okay, well, now that I won the championship, now I've got to hold on to it. Yeah. And, you know, I knew that it made it made some decently big news when I won the championship. And there was, you know, all these guys on social media that, you know, they had to comment like, I'm coming for the title. I'm coming for it. And it's like, but, and I wanted to be the fighting champion, the guy that would travel. I wanted to go to Japan, to Canada, Germany, to the UK and defend it everywhere. And, you know, and bring that prestige of it being a world championship back because it had only been really defended kind of locally at the time, yeah. but I wanted world travel champion. Yeah. That would have been interesting, actually. We'll, we'll touch on that. Right. First defense, I believe it's the week later, 19th. I've got Prince Mahal. I don't know if this is the word. I'm no good at pronunciations. Prince Mahali. Oh, Prince Mahali, that is correct. In Oklahoma, yes, that's right? Oklahoma, that's right. That's correct, yeah. And uh, the, the funny thing about these defenses is when I won the championship, it was around the same time that Mr. Corgan purchased the company. And so because they were in such a limbo state, I could not really publicize my defenses until the day of the show. So I could not go on social media and talk about, I'll be here defending the title. It was more of day of the show, they announced it live, but I could not publicize it. We would have posters made of my defenses, but then it would have to be like, wait, hold on. Like, let's take that down because we don't know what the future of the NWA has in store. So it was a very weird limbo point of time where yes i was defending the title against a decent amount of people but i could not talk about it publicly kind of a weird situation because obviously when you have champions you you kind of you see it now that socially they're, they're posting these pictures everywhere and i'm defend i'm on these shows defending you know come and see me i'm on these shows defending my title and did you was there any concern even at that stage that you said they were kind of limbo and that you didn't know what's going on? Did you feel any concern even that early that something may be happening down that line? <clears throat> it was a concern for me. Um, so my point of contact at the time was the vice president who at the time was David Lagana. Yes. And I knew that, you know, something was going to happen. I wasn't sure either if the title would just be taken away, I wasn't sure if I would get to continue to defend it because there was talks of a potential Canadian tour at one point, but that also fell through. And then I made these defenses, even Chavo Guerrero. I believe yeah. that was an art. Yes. Um, hot, springs. <clears throat> hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, and then when October, well, at the end of September, the decision was made that they were going to kind of, get rid of all the affiliates and only focus on the world's heavyweight and Tim storm whenever they rebranded and restarted the company. And so, because technically when Mr. Corgan purchased the company, he purchased the titles as well, the main championships, which included mine. And so I understood like, I'm, I'm a very, I try to be a very professional person. I try to do business the correct way. And so 
I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I had tears in my eyes driving to the UPS store to ship off the title, but I did business the correct way. And when they asked me on September 26th, yes, uh, 17, about a month and a half after I won it, I had to go ship off the title that that was taken from me. And that was the last time that I saw it. How did that get communicated to you that, you know, you had these, you had a handful of defenses. You mentioned Charvo was the last one, which was DQ. You had beat, uh, there was a no contest with Mr. Nasty, I believe. And then there was Chandler Hopkins before that. So you went, you had another match. You had Bedford, Texas was Chandler. You had Mr. Nasty in Tulsa. We mentioned Charvo. And then 10 days later, you're returning the belt. Was it a conversation? Was it a text? Was it an email? How was that presented to you? <clears throat> I will tell you that it was a phone call. It was a phone call with Mr. Lagana. Um, it wasn't just a text message, thank goodness, because that would have been a whole different, like <laughs> that. There's a level of yeah. respect there, yeah. you know. But it was a phone call conversation. Um, and now, here's something that a lot of people really don't understand about me sending the championship back. So I sent the title back to Mr. Lagana, and a couple of days later when he received the championship, I got another phone call. And he basically said, I want to check in with you, make sure you're good. He said, hey, I have a question for you. He said, so the title that you sent me is the one that you received that night in Dyersburg. I said, 100%. I said, I have videos, pictures, you know, everything from that night. And he said, great. I need you to send me every picture you have, the video of the match, and go get a statement notarized because the guy that you beat still has the real title. He gave you a fake. Whoa. <laughs> so that's why I'm not mentioning Mr. USA's real name because I don't want to publicize or give him any notoriety because apparently he spited the company and the former president so much that he never brought the real title to Dyersburg and he handed me a fake championship. And so if you think about it, up to that point, my life's work, when I held the title physically, I never held the real physical title. And the next day, after I sent everything to the company, um, I got the phone call that due to what I sent, um, they were able to get proof to the police. And there's video footage on his phone of them getting the real championship back because of what I sent. And uh, when he went live, I believe on Facebook that evening, um, just to prove to me that he had it, you could see it on the background on his bed. He had the real championship that I never got to hold. Wow. So even though you were the champion, you defended this title five times, you never actually held the legitimate world title. I had to make a fake ripoff championship legitimate for about a month and a half. Did that... How does that? Because obviously, even from a, even a promoter for argument, I'm not, I'm not a wrestling promoter. I'm just a podcaster. But even from a pr promoter standpoint, does you think that kind of devalues them? Because they're saying, I know you did, they couldn't announce it to the day and all that sort of stuff. But in their mind, are they thinking, what's this guy doing then? <laughs> I I mean, I would say so. And at the t at the same time, I think it was more of just the shock factor because for a while I kept that secret. Not many people know about that. And I think that's the big, that's the big point of this. And, you know, because of what I did for them, because I helped them get the real championship back, like in reality, that kind of helped avoid what could have been a lawsuit. I mean, that he stole Billy Corgan's property. Um, so after that, you know, we went on and I was told that I'll be on board going forward. And so we went on to NWA 70, 
yeah. where a, a defeated Laredo kid in that huge event, phenomenal event that they yeah. had. Um, and then after that, I asked the question because it was on all of my social media platforms in my bios. It said that I was still the current world junior heavyweight champion. And so I asked them, I said, Hey, do I need to take this down? Like, do I need to not publicize that I'm the champion? And here is the promise that was broken because I was told number one, that if the title was retired officially, I'd be the final ever, which to me, I'm like, man, that's kind of, that's a pretty cool accolade to have. Yeah. But then I was told if the championship is brought back, I would be the current reigning and defending NWA world junior heavyweight champion. And then you fast forward about five years and they announce a tournament to crown a new champion. And I'm checking every file that I got and I'm never invited to that tournament. We well, kind of segue quite nice because obviously there's like the end, I think it was the 30th where it was deactivated. Um, right. we'll talk about we'll just talk about that period of time between the activate the deactivation and the reactivation. You went Definitely. on to make it you still went and done some amazing things uh, in wrestling in that period of time. I mean, the VIP champion, I mean, you you took on some some of the great, I mean, you look at someone like Austin Theory was one of the names that I looked at, and I was like, yeah. wow, now he's really kicking it in WWE and he's an he's obviously one of their mega stars now in WWE he's, he's been rightfully so Ricky Starks another one that he was a freeway between you him and Homicide um again Ricky Starks now AEW massive star doing great things coming over here 70 odd thousand seats sold uh, in a couple of months you know and Homicide won that tournament and Homicide I was about to get <laughs> Homicide ended up winning the title uh, on the 31st of January, uh, 2020, uh, again, in Halton, Texas. Is it Halton? Sorry if I'm pronouncing these things wrong. I'm no good. Uh, Halton City, but yeah, I mean, you're good. You're good. Excellent. Um, you also had a, a brief, you had two kind of runs in WWE, didn't you? Like an enhancement kind of talent. One was Braun Strowman in, in 2015, and then you come back with Greg James, September 17th, 2018, AOP uh, on Raw. It was just an enhance, you know, one of those squash matches what they would say right definitely, um, definitely. Hey, you're there right and I, yeah <laughs> absolutely and, you know even after that um really when things picked up for me was when i started going out to the uh, new japan pro wrestling dojo yes. in los angeles under katsuri shibata and going out there i think man i went out there like 15 times it was to the point to where i was just invited to come stay at the house with those guys wow. i was like for a period of time I was the unofficial fifth young lion there, but I never relocated or went and became a young lion because Shibata San told me, look, you already have 10 years of experience. Like I'm not going to restart you yeah. just keep coming. And then we'll bring you in as you are. And then that is how um, ultimately in 2020 during the pandemic, I got the phone call from Rocky Romero to come be a part of new Japan strong. Yeah. And again, a massive career highlight going over there Straight dogs, right? Is that straight dog army? Yes, sir. That's it. Straight dog army. Pandemic Japan. Yes. What was that? I mean, obviously over here, we couldn't even go out and take a piss very much. We had to literally, it was in, boom. <laughs> that was it. And what's it over like over there? <clears throat> so I will say, like, so so far, I have not actually physically been to Japan. Gotcha. Everything that I the States, but to film these episodes for New Japan Strong and to wrestle for a company like New Japan Pro Wrestling in front of just a commentary team, other wrestlers, and a camera crew with no energy from a crowd. Yeah. 
really shows you how good you actually are as a professional wrestler because that is very hard to do because you have to create that amount. You can't reciprocate it from other people. It has to be made yourself, and that's very hard to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, even when you know, we obviously WWE kept putting on their weekly products, and they were doing Thunder Domes, and they were having. Well, they started off with a. I think the NXT guys were just hanging around the ring at that point, and masks on. And it must be. Is it kind of when you walk out of an arena and it is silent, like you know, you you, you as you say, you walk out off the adrenaline, you feed off of the crowd, whether they're cheering, booing, or whatever, but you feed off of that. To come right. to nothing must yes. be a massive sea change. <clears throat> it, you have to, it, uh, what I had to do was I had to visualize it as if there was a crowd there and kind of channel it into that camera when I walked out. I just had to try to say, I'm going to, I'm going to connect with people somehow. And I have to do it through that camera. And I just tried to create my own energy. And I feel like I did it decently. And eventually we carried it into you know, 2021, when they finally brought the American fans back at Resurgence. Yeah, thank Christ for that. When we were allowed back into these things, I mean, it was... I, mean, I can't express, like, how fortunate I was because myself and the Straight Out Army, we had a six-man tag match as the pre-show of Resurgence, but technically we were the first New Japan Pro Wrestling show with American fans back after the pandemic. Yeah. And then days later, we filmed and I'm in the ring with Hiroshi Tanahashi. I can't express like what that meant to me. Yeah, that must have been an amazing. I mean, legends like that, you know, Tanahashi, and he, and as I said, even even homicide. I mean, as homicide's a legend in the game anyway. It doesn't really matter. Where you just touching on quickly with, with regard, we mentioned Austin Fury and, and Ricky Starks before. We just want to want to go back to. Did you see then? The potential, what you, you you kind of did you know that these guys were destined for great things, or was it a slightly different version of an Austin Fury or Ricky Starks? <clears throat> Man, i I met uh, I met Ricky Starks, I think in his first year. I was a couple of years in when I met Ricky, and I just thought to myself, like this guy has an unreal amount of charisma about him. Like he just has something special. And anytime that I got to wrestle with that dude, I've wrestled him, I think, four or five times. And every time I was like, man, no, this guy, he's he's going to be a travesty if he's on the Indies like much longer. And I knew that he belonged on TV. I'm glad that my assumption was right. And Austin Theory, I was like, man, this dude just looks like a stud. I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah, just his presence alone, he's going to make it one day. And I'm glad that my, you know, that my assumptions were correct. Yeah, I mean, you're right about. I mean, Starks has got an amazing charisma. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not a talent scout. I, I just watch it on the TV, and I, yeah, I really right. do it. But you, you, you can just know. And you say Austin Fury is an absolute stud. Okay, now let's get into the kind of serious bit. 20, 20th of March, twenty twenty two. They reactivate the title, and as you right. said, a tournament is begun. Well, they're going to do a tournament for this. And you're searching, you're checking your phones, you're checking your emails, you remember the promise that they sent you. And nothing happens. There's nothing. What is going through your mind? Because you, as you said, you've left it. Okay, you had the issue. It wasn't the real title. doesn't matter. They said to you, if it gets reactivated, you are the champion. Right. But you're not. <clears throat> I, I cannot express... Just like it was, 
I, it was almost every negative emotion you could imagine rolled into one. Um, and I'm not a very vocal person negatively. Like I try to keep my social media platforms clean mm. and I do my best to be a professional. And, you know, I, I bit my tongue and I was like, I'm just going to see what happens. I want to see this play out. And I will tell you, that I am tremendously glad that homicide was the one that won it because I respect that man so much. And I wish I could have fought him for it because I do have a win over him in that triple threat with him and Ricky yep, Starks. You do. He's got one over me as well, but I wish I could have fought him for it. But just the shock, the disappointment, the, the heartbreak, the upset. I tell people all the time that this industry it can be the most rewarding, but it can be the most heartbreaking. And that was one of the lowest points that I have ever had when I was like, wow, they really are going to crown a new champion. Like, yeah. and people had mentioned me multiple times to the company, but it was almost as if they ignored everything that was mentioned about me up until recently. Yeah. We'll get into that in a minute. Did you kind of even feel like on the day of the tournament, like, you're going to get this thing saying you're going to come back and you're going to with a title and kind of like you remember the CM Punk Cena thing when they write you know that, that sort yeah, of there were dude I had so many people that day the day of the tournament that my inbox was flooded like you're going to be there like everyone was like Barrett's showing up he's showing up he's doing something there and I was like I wish that was true like you can tune in and watch but I'm not there yeah. and sure enough I made an appearance the last time that I was seen on an NWA programming was NWA 70 against Loretto Kid. Wow. That's crazy. Because even like, even when they won it, they might not have done it then. They could have done it the next week. They could have had, as I said, that whole ending of a, a TV program with one champion holding up one title and the one you'd say they've done it with Cena and Punk and, and people like that. You know, right. captivating TV, even that. But it didn't happen. That's. Do you, have you then got, when you're wrestling after that point, do you, is there any more sort of a, a point to prove or is there more like I've got more of a chip on my shoulder of, you know, something along those going forward after that point? Did you think, you know what? F them. I'm going to, you know, go out and. Naturally, naturally. And it kind of is segued into one of the most important matches that I've ever had in my entire career because uh, I was actually soon after that, I had to go to a hotel to stay for a new Japan strong taping <laughs> And as I was in that hotel room, the actual, the, the promoter of VIP wrestling, where this match is going to happen, yeah. he contacted me. He said, hey, WrestleMania weekend, we're doing a Midnight After Mania show. He said, I want to bring in a big New Japan talent for you. He said, who do you want? And I said, who can we get? And ultimately, we got Minoru Suzuki. Wow. And I said, if there's one guy that I can prove to the world who I am, my intensity, that I can hang with the best and the most intense, I said, give me Minoru Suzuki. And I think that that match with Suzuki, which to me is still the best match I've ever had in my career. Um, that was the moment whenever everyone kind of was like, oh shit, Barrett's, he's not playing around. Like he's, he means business. Mm -hmm. And so I took that emotion of how I felt with the tournament being announced without my involvement into that match. And I have been able to channel it ever since in all my performances and since then, you know, I've heard it for the last decade, but now it's been a major thing where people are like, why are you still on the independent circuit? And I said, well, as long as I'm still here, I'm going to still give these people their money's worth. And I'm going to turn heads and prove to the world who I am. And it's like full circle that just so happens where this opportunity 
would present itself against Mr. Kerry Moore. Indeed. We'll touch we'll get into that very shortly. Suzuki, though. He I see him uh, the first time I saw him uh AW, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember because obviously we don't get New Japan. We have I think we can get it via some streaming site, but we don't get it weekly on TV over here in the, in the right. UK. Um I think I see I think he come out in Moxley, I think. And it, I just look uh, when even though he's obviously older now than obviously when he was, it was just like this guy looks like he's an, he's gonna beat the living snot out of you. He's got, got that look about him. And when you wrestle, did you get that when you wrestled him? Was it just like was it exactly how you expected him to work in terms of he looks like a menacing guy that's gonna chop the hell out of you? <laughs> I I have been in the ring with Braun Strowman and I was not as as I was with Minoru Suzuki. I mean, if there was literally a Grim Reaper in this business, it's Minoru Suzuki. And, but I, it was a moment that I had to welcome um, because again, all that emotion that I had, I had a point to prove. And even though that match, I, I lost that night to Minoru Suzuki, but everyone said that even in loss, it was the biggest victory that I've ever had because I, I proved a lot that night and it's what I needed. And I think it was the kind of the catalyst to what would eventually happen in my career. Yeah, I mean, I think people can people can say losses can make the person just as much as wins can, right? In in the in you know, um, okay, twelfth of November last year was the night that Morton, Kerry Morton, sorry, wins the uh, championship, junior heavyweight championship. Now we all know lineage of his father uh, and so and so, uh, and what um, and we'll move up to now, kind of closure for you, the closure on the twenty third. You, you got your opportunity. Now you get your opportunity. Kerry Moore right. versus Barrett Brown, VIP wrestling, twenty third of June. When you win that, what's next? I think what a lot of people overlook and the reason that they overlook me is because uh, we do not mention Colby Carino in this at all, because Colby is the current contender Yes, for the time. People think that just because he's not mentioned that automatically I'm overlooked. And the thing is, is if you think about the Morton lineage, I mean, he is, I'm not going to downplay Kerry. He's very good at this. Mm. He is father's son. He is a deserving champion, but he is a lineage, a legacy and a huge last name in this industry, just like Colby. Colby is a phenomenal talent. He's a lineage, a legacy, and the last name Carino. But if when you compare that, like, who am I? You know, who, who is Barrett Brown? I'm not a lineage. I don't have a legacy or a last name with weight in this industry. But my job on the 23rd is not just to win back my championship. It's not just to take it to Killer Tim Brooks's grave and celebrate with him. I'm going to go in with the intent of proving that a last name with the Mortons and the Carinos, maybe I'll take my baby to the NWA and defend it against Colby. But my job is to prove to the NWA and to everybody that a last name does not carry as much weight as hard work and raw by God talent. And that's what I'm going to prove on the 23rd of June. As we move closer, the anticipation is obviously getting We're nine, 10 days from it now. What's that like for you? <clears throat> I can visualize and I'm, I'm a very visual person I don't just like when I close my eyes I don't just visualize words or phrases I, I see pictures and I try to visualize every outcome possible in any scenario and it's been that way my entire life even outside of wrestling this is the first time that I can tell you that 
I cannot visualize anything else other than walking out with that championship. It, it means too much to me. And I think that Kerry kind of downplays that. That's going to be his detriment. I have way too much to prove, way too much to lose. And I'm, I, I did not pass that torch to him. And if he wants it, he's going to be in for a hell of a fight. It doesn't matter what his last name is. I'm going to prove mm-hmm. who I am. Did you feel slightly aggrieved that the match was well, the match was announced anyway? It has been announced. The NWA not even put it out there. They've just sort of installed Kobe as the number one contender, and we're all and as you kind of mentioned, that kind of downplays you in, in an extent because they're not mentioned. Does that make is that a kind of an agree? Because we see it all the time on, on these, uh, even like I said WWE, they announce a title match for a, three weeks later, uh, like a big match, and then they'll say, oh, next week. Someone and you kind of know, you know, well, right. You, down like, you know, one, of those, one of those house show defenses, whenever you like, you like, oh, well, he's got to win because he's got to go fight this guy next. Yeah. I told people is like, how do you know that I haven't signed a contract with NWA? Yeah. How do you know I've been talking? How do you know that, you know, this isn't part of the bigger plan? Like maybe I will take the title and go and defend it against Colby. Like no one really knows. And when I say that people are like, well, have you? I was like, I guess we'll find out on the 23rd. And now there's doubt because maybe I have. You know, maybe, I mean, they follow me on Twitter. They've been retweeting my stuff. They don't do that for guys that aren't signed. No. The last time that they've done that, you no. know, they that didn't get into consideration. So those that are listening, you don't know. I might be signed right now. I just may not be ready to tell the world about it yet. Indeed. And that is a, that is a very truthful fact. Um, we're going to start wrapping things up, Barrett, with this. Um, obviously, as we said, 23rd, VIP, match with Kerry. Um, in terms of future goals, we, we were not going to forget about the match, forget about the winning the title. I know it's on your mind and that's what you do. Right. We want to end it like I normally would end it with a guest. And it's like, what are your future goals in wrestling? And what do you want to accomplish besides reclaiming that gold that you've never lost and you never... You know, you're technically you're still the champion in a lot of ways, but apart from that, what's re- what is le- what is left for you? <clears throat> I my ultimate goal is to travel the world doing this and to make a comfortable living and to have fun. I think that's why this closure means so much. Um, my ultimate goal is to go to Japan. I want to wrestle in Cork and Hall. I want to get that damn red Ribera Steakhouse jacket and wear it around. <laughs> uh, I want to eventually maybe go to the Tokyo Dome and wrestle for the IWGP junior heavyweight championship as well. Um, I want to take this as far as I can. And I want to, you know, I have end goals, um, but I think the main thing for me is trying to enjoy the journey while I can, uh, while I'm healthy, while I'm able, and while I still have as deep of a burning passion for this as I do, I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off, man. I think that's, that's my goal. Best. That is the best way to, to wrap this up now. So, uh, Barrett, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the show. Thank you for taking your time. We will keep an eye out on the 23rd. Please come back and have another conversation, more of a general light-hearted conversation that we'd have in the future. But guys, this has been the Hitting the Turnbuckle podcast. I have been Adam Cousins with my guest, Barrett Bryant. Until next time, guys, stay safe and we'll see you soon. Hey, everybody, thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast.